All right, let's open our Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as most of you probably know, we're going through the uh, book, The Story, 31 stories that are chosen from, from the Bible and in hopes to be able to give everybody a good sense of the one story that we find in the Bible, and that's the loving God of the Bible redeeming his people unto himself. And we are in chapter 28. That means there's only, after today, there's only three more lessons, and then we'll be done with the story. And if you, the hope is that everybody would have kept, you know, up with the reading, and you would have gotten a good uh, overview of all the major stories in the Bible and how they all come together. So let's read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. I have a new King James here. And we're going to talk about new beginnings. That's the title of that's the title of the chapter. What I want to do today might be a little bit different from what uh, you know, Brother Bruce does. Is I want to do a quick review of uh, what's in the chapter, chapter twenty-eight, and then I want to talk about new beginnings and what that means. And the main point that I want to get across is this. And I'm hoping to get an amen. All right, not yet, not yet. Here it goes. This is the main point. The God of the Bible is a God of new beginnings and second chances. Now, you guys don't need a new beginning or second chances. The God of the Bible is a God of new beginnings and second chances. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. Obviously, verse 17 is the one we read earlier. And it says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, for the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one, that is Jesus, died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Pray with me. Gracious Father, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to be here. What a blessing and what a privilege it is to gather with, with our spiritual family to praise you, to lift up your holy name and to meditate in your word. And as we talk about new beginnings, Father, help us to individually listen to your message and see what it is that you are conveying and communicating to us this morning. Father, that as we are exposed to your word, we may be changed to be more like your son. We ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right, guys. So, chapter 28 talks about new beginnings. And as you know, Uh, Last week we talked about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the week before that about his death. And with this new chapter, let me make a quick quick, uh, review. Uh, After his resurrection, which is central to Christianity, no resurrection, there is no Christianity, no Christian faith, no message to tell people. After he resurrects, he appears. For 40 days, he basically hangs out with his followers in different ways, appears with them, hangs out with them, continues to teach them. He gives them the great commission, that is, to his disciples and his followers. 
And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Preach the gospel. Baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he ascends. He's taken up into heaven in a cloud. And then two angels tell his disciples, hey, why are you staring into heaven? Same way he left, he will be back. Then 10 days later, so he was around for 40 days. He leaves, ascends, goes to be at the right hand of God the Father. And then he promised that he would send another helper. That was the Holy Spirit. He told him back in John, he says, he has been with you. Now he's going to be in you. Ten days later, the apostles are in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes to reside with each, with each believers. And you guys know the story. Um, there appears something like flames of fire and tongues. And they begin to speak in different languages to the point where everybody that was there to celebrate the day of Pentecost heard the message being spoken in their own language. And they were amazed. They were amazed that these were fishermen, Galileans. Some were uh, thinking that they were drunk. And then Peter says, no, we're not drunk. It's barely 9 a.m. I, I always find that kind of funny. Why does, why does he have to bring up the time? So what if it was 9 p.m.? Then there will be reason to... Well, never mind. He says, it's only 9 a.m. Of course we're not drunk. All right. And, uh, and they begin to do awesome, wondrous works that showed that, that they had the indwelling spirit of God. And then the church takes off, as David mentioned. One day, Peter preaches. They are cut to the heart. They say, what must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized and you will be saved. And 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Imagine that. We wouldn't fit in the gym, would we, Keith? Nope. All right. We'll see. Thousands are saved, and then the church begins to uh, suffer persecution. Stephen, one of my heroes, is, uh, is chosen to be somewhat of a deacon, a helper within, within the church, in the daily distribution, <clears throat> but he was full of the Spirit, and he's confronted by these religious leaders that hated Christianity. And he preaches to them. Doesn't back down. He preaches to them. And for that, he is stoned to death. He's killed. And the church is persecuted. And then we hear about somebody named Saul of Tarsus. Yeah? A bad guy. Mean guy. Hater of the Christian church, a persecutor, dragging people out of their homes, putting them in jail, giving his vote that they will be killed for preaching what he thought was false doctrine. And as you know, on the road to Damascus, the Lord appears to Saul. And he tells him, Saul, knocks him out of whatever he was writing, ends up on the floor, and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, why are you persecuting my church? Now, why are you persecuting my believers? Saul, why are you persecuting me? To his great surprise, he tries opening his eyes, he can't see anything. And then he says something wonderful. He says, Lord, who are you? Who are you, Lord? And that's a question we should all have for the rest of our lives. I want to know you more, Lord. Who are you? Would you reveal yourself to me more every day? And then he asks a second wonderful question. 
What do you want me to do? Who are you? And what do you want me to do? That should be our questions as Christians. I want to know you more, Lord, and I want to obey you. So, God reaches Paul, or Saul, and then he uses him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and others, but him mainly. He's given the message and the special privilege to preach to the Gentile nations, to everybody who wasn't a Jew. And he dedicates the rest of his life, Paul does, and we'll be talking about him next week, to sharing the gospel and seeing people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, whom he once persecuted. Awesome. Did, did Paul get a new, new beginning? Talk about new beginnings, right? Uh, the Gentiles begin to receive. We hear of a gentleman named Cornelius, and uh, he receives the gospel. He receives special revelations. He, they, uh, through a vision, he's asked to send for Peter. Peter, through a revelation of his own, is told to go when they call for him, and he goes to Cornelius' home, shares the gospel, and he's preaching and teaching. The Holy Spirit falls on them, letting Peter know that the door is open to everybody. And I believe that's where chapter 28 ends, yeah? Uh, So new beginnings. The Lord Jesus Christ, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we often or sometimes quote this when we're having communion or the Lord's Supper. And he says, this is the new covenant in my blood, when he's having that last supper with his disciples. This is the new covenant in my blood. Radical change from the old covenant. In the Old Testament, since 1,400 years later, or if you want to go back all the way back to Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve first sinned, and they realize that they're naked, God comes and sacrifices an animal, sheds innocent blood in order to cover their nakedness. And then during the past, when the Jews were going to exit uh, Egypt, the first Passover, where there was 1,300, 1,400 years before Christ, he tells them to choose a lamb without a blemish, sacrifice it, put the blood on the doorpost, and the angel of death would not take the firstborn in that home. And every year after that, with a couple exceptions where Israel just went, you know, off the grid, kind of. They would celebrate the Passover. And then when Jesus comes into the picture, John the Baptist sees him, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that does what? That takes away the sin of the world. The blood of the animals could only cover their sin. And it always pointed to the Christ, the Anointed One, that would one day come. And when Jesus arrives, God Himself becomes flesh. He begins his ministry. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb. Which Lamb? The Lamb of God. That does what? That takes away the sin of yours. The sin of the world. My sin. So we want to talk about new beginnings. You know, everything changed at the cross during his resurrection. Uh, And so let's talk about uh, new beginnings. In the Bible, we, we see all kinds of new beginnings. Let me just share a couple of, of, uh, of people that we see in the Bible that got a new start. And I love this because you've got to find yourself in, in, in one, of these, one of these individuals. For example, and I'm just talking New Testament, I think. Yeah, we'll keep it to New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ had a lot of very interesting individual encounters with people. Right? One of my favorite the woman at the well. She needed a new start. And she got it. 
right? The Lord meets her, changes her life. She was waiting for the Messiah. She was concerned. She wanted to know the right place to worship. And Jesus met her, showed her her sin, and gave her the answer. And she got a new start. We have people like uh, the paralytic who was taken by his friends where Jesus was, and they couldn't get through the door, so they lowered him through the roof. He got a new start, a new beginning. When Jesus said, you know, your sins are forgiven, and everybody started panicking, who can forgive sins except God? Ah, you're right. Except they didn't realize that Jesus was God. And he says, what's easier, to tell somebody your sins are forgiven or to tell somebody who's paralytic, can't walk, get up and walk? And Jesus says, just so that you know who I am, he tells the young man, rise up, take up your bed and get out of here. And he stands up and leaves. He got a new start. Remember the Philippian jailer? Just going about his business. He got this weird uh, couple of uh, Jesus followers as prisoners who started singing at midnight praises to God. After the earthquake, he thinks everybody left. He's about to kill himself. He's done. And then out of the dark dungeon, Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And then he says, gentlemen, what must I do to be saved? And they tell him, believe in the Lord and you will be saved. You and your house. A new beginning. What about that Ethiopian? Want to meet him. Travels hundreds of miles to Jerusalem to see if he could worship. Probably not, not allowed in the temple. And on his way back, he's reading Isaiah. And Philip, while having a very uh, good ministry going on, being blessed, God says, hey, Philip, I need you somewhere else. At some dirt road by the desert. All right. So Philip goes. And there's this Ethiopian on a chariot on his way back home, maybe disappointed for not having found what he was looking for and longed in his heart. And Philip catches up to him, runs up and goes in there and hears that he's reading from Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, no, how can I unless somebody teaches me? All right, scoot over. And Stephen explains to him about Jesus using the Old Testament and Isaiah. And he's converted. He goes back home a different man. He got a new beginning. You have Lydia, Cornelius, Lazarus. Did he get a new start? When he had an encounter with Jesus? He was dead for four days. I'll share that with the youth last week. He stunk. And Jesus, where have you laid him? And they say, uh, well, he's over there, but you don't want to mess with that. It's, it's been four days. He stinketh. And then they say, he says, remove the rock. Expose the ugliness. And I love this. Expose the stench. Expose the sin. And you're going to see what I'll do. And then he just calls out his name. Lazarus, come forth. And looking like a mummy, he comes out. Imagine that. He got a new start. Beloved, the God of the Bible is a God of new beginnings and second chances. And I don't think there's anybody here who can't use a new start or a new beginning. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I'm talking to you even if you grew up in church, even if you've been here 20 years, if you know in your heart that you've never surrendered your life to Him and that He's not the Lord of your life, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? 
He is the God of second chances and new beginnings. So let's talk about new beginnings. So I have four points, and we're going to go in a hurry because uh, time is never kind to preachers. And so four points. A new beginning is, point one, I'll just give them to you real quick here, is a new beginning is for everyone. It's offered to everyone. A new beginning is by grace of love and through the cross. So a new beginning is for everyone. It's by grace, it's of love, and it's through the cross. And I just want to share that with all of you. Because we're talking about new beginnings, chapter 28, and it's wonderful to hear all these stories and know what's happening. But how does that apply to me, you might say? And even if you have been born again, chances are there's areas in your life that need a new beginning. And I'm talking about whether it's your marriage, and we're not going to talk about marriage today. Whether it's your relationship with your children, or your parents, or your loved ones, or it's your situation at work, or at school, or at church. There's probably an area in your life where you could use a new beginning. And I want you to understand a couple of things. So let's start with the first point. A new beginning is for everyone. When Jesus died at the cross, he did it for everyone. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him and through what he did at the cross. Too many people. And, and, and let me tell you this. If you're sitting there thinking like, you know, oh, I, like the, I like the message, but, but you know, I'm, I'm, I got this. All right. That's good. Somebody you know needs this message. Somebody that you know needs to hear this message of new beginnings. So, as you're sitting there listening, would you be open to the idea that, that you could use a new beginning somewhere, somehow, but also that there's a ton of people that you know that can use a new beginning in Christ? So twofold, for yourself and for the people that you know. And people need to know that salvation and a new beginning, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation, peace, joy, is available to everyone. And there's people out there that feel like, oh, I've already done too many bad things, Mike. Well, you've probably done a lot of bad things, and probably more than you even realize. You know, I think we've all offended God more than we even realize. I don't think we can truly understand how much and how often we offend the holy, perfect God. So yeah, if you're feeling you're pretty bad, it's because you are. And so am I. But that's good that you realize that. Because then you realize that Jesus did not come to die for the healthy, but for the sick. Not for the well, but for the broken. Not for the righteous, but for sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He gave his life a ransom for many. He came for you and me. And he came for everyone. The gospel is not exclusive, and neither should you be. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel, and they deserve it to hear it, they deserve to hear it, and to see it in your life. Would you consider, maybe as I say this, names pop to your mind, or images of people that you know need a new beginning. Beloved, act on that, because somebody acted upon you 
when they dared and had the courage to share the gospel with you. And as you grew up in church and the parents brought you and you heard it, but you're, even if that's the case, because I grew up in church. So I grew up in church because uh, a gentleman by the name of Raul dared speak to my dad and share the gospel with him. So I, I'm, I benefited of that, not directly, but indirectly. I got a chance to grow up in church and hear God's message and study the Bible since I was young because Raul, sorry, Ruben, no wonder I couldn't think of his last name. Ruben talked to my dad, and God was already working on my dad. So it's for everybody. So understand wherever you're at. And I love this, beloved. You know, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord says, Don't leave. You wait for the Holy Spirit, for the gift of God. And when He comes, you will receive power, that you will be witnesses of mine everywhere. Beloved, that power that was in them, if you're a child of God, you need to understand the Holy Spirit is in you. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit resides in you. And the same power that was with the church at the beginning is right here, right now. But we might look around and say, like, well, I don't, I don't really see it. Why do you think that is? Has the Holy Spirit kind of died down? the Because it's been 2,000 years, you know, maybe... The Holy Spirit has gotten tired since. Absolutely not. Holy Spirit is God Almighty. We should, you know what we should be, we'd be asking? Where's the power? We sing about it, right? There's power. Power in the blood. There's power in the Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a gift, as a seal, as a promise. And that same power is in you. And because the Holy Spirit is God, He's omnipresent. You, don't, you need to understand this. You don't have a little piece of the Holy Spirit in you. You, know? you don't have a tenth of a percent of the Holy Spirit. You have God in His completeness in you. And I want to challenge us to say, God, where, where is that power? What, what do I need to do to tap into it? And chances are, you need to trust and obey like the old hymn says. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And you'll never reach the heights that God wants for you unless you trust and obey. And ask God, get on your knees and say, Lord, I know I'm all messed up, but I want to see your power. I want to see you be glorified through my life. And he's going to change our lives, beloved. I'm telling you, he'll give you a new start. And a new beginning is for everyone. You need to understand that it's by grace. Okay? You need to understand that and you need to know it so that you can translate that and transmit that to other people because most people don't understand this. Most people you know, if they're not born again and genuine followers of Christ, they're religious. And religion always teaches you can do something to earn God's favor. And then you read the Bible and the Bible says it's by grace. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it on your own. You've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Period. So that's kind of comforting for us. Very comforting. That I don't have to try to earn salvation or forgiveness. Because I know that I'll never reach that. I'll never be good enough to reach it. So you understand that it's by grace. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a what? It's a gift of God. Salvation is by grace. 
and we don't cheapen that. You know, free for us, but it costs Christ quite a bit. It costs him his life. It costs him everything. But people need to understand that. You need to understand that. People need to understand that. You know, most people will think, you know, have you, have you invited anybody to church lately? Because that's kind of, e- you know, easier. You invite people to church and the first thing they think is, I'm not good enough to go to church. No, my life's been all messed up lately. Give me, give me a couple months, let me get my act together, then, then maybe I'll go. But you know that within the church, that same attitude exists? Hey, why don't you help us with this ministry? It's really easy, you just got to show up and help us. No, we may not say it, but I know we think, my life's all messed up right now, I can't serve God. How am I going to be such a hypocrite and serve God when I know I'm not walking with Him correctly? And it's good that you have that attitude, though. All right? And hopefully it's the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. But do something about it. That's what Christ died on the cross. For you to lay your junk and your dirt at his feet. And he will take it and bury it in the depths of the sea and remember it no more. You don't have to live with the guilt when you laid your sins down at the cross. But that's part of why we don't serve. That's part of why we're not. And I don't mean just serving at church. I mean it's like serving wherever you go. He said, go therefore, and as you go, make disciples of everybody. Not go to church, go therefore to church at Cross Point and make disciples there. He said, go, wherever you go, make disciples. Who's that? That's everybody you meet. Make disciples. Tell them. Share the gospel. Share the good news. Tell them what you learned. Tell them what you heard. And let them know that God offers a new beginning for everyone, and it's by grace. Why? Because the debt has already been paid. It's also the new beginning is, is of love. Why did God do it? Why does God offer it? It's only love, beloved. He demonstrates His own love to us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Out of love. For God so loved the world. Out of love. For you, for me. And you got to understand this, it, while, it was while you did not deserve it. While you were God's enemies, He was willing to die for you. In Ephesians 2.1, And you He made alive while you were dead in sins and trespasses. By grace, by love. Let me wrap it up just by saying new beginning. A new beginning is through the cross. You know, our mission statement here at Cross Point is on your bulletin. <laughs> Our mission at Crosspoint is to point people lovingly, is to glorify God by lovingly pointing people to the cross of Jesus Christ for salvation and growth. You're either here because you need to be saved, you need to hear the gospel, God needs to open your understanding, or you're also here, hopefully, because you understand that you as a Christian need to grow. If you have a new life in Christ, that new life needs to grow, needs to mature. And in doing that, you're going to experience what God is offering us. You will experience the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. All these things that the world is hungry for and can't find anywhere else except through Jesus and what He did at the cross. Beloved, the God of the Bible is a God of new beginnings. I... I, and second chances. And we could all use those. And understand 
that these new beginnings are for everyone, they're by grace, they're of love, and they're through the cross. And when you understand that, we should be living lives of gratitude and joy. You know, I want to take a picture of you guys. You guys don't look very joyous right now. Where's my phone? I'm going to take a selfie going this way and get a picture. You guys don't look very joyous. Or you assert, you're reserving your joy before you get out. When you get out, you better be joyous. And understand and meditate on these things. I probably didn't tell you anything new. But I do want to challenge you to really consider where in my life do I need a new start? Like, things get old. Things get old. And, and if you're struggling with something, which most of us are, take it to the Lord. I want to challenge you to ask God this week that He would reveal His power in your life. God is not the problem. The Holy Spirit has not run out of power or energy. Trust me. It's us. Because we become comfortable, most likely. We become comfortable. And and, and let me tell you something. Do yourself a favor and do what I'm telling you. Because let me tell you what the other option is if you're a child of God. You know what happened with the church? You know why they couldn't get comfortable? And you know why it, it, it exploded and it grew so much? One word. The P word. Persecution. Persecution made it grow. They couldn't get comfortable. It was, it was all or nothing. And when they chose it all, they were going to be persecuted. And that same persecution lit the fire, kept the fire burning. So what I'm telling you is if you're comfortable, ask the Lord now before He sends persecution in your life. And if He does send persecution in your life, and that might look different for all of us, don't fight it. That might just be God saying, hey, get on with it. Start doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're too comfortable. You know, going to church Sunday mornings, I love seeing you guys. And next week, I'm looking forward to next week because I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of you. And then the Spanish group will fill in these little gaps that are around here. And we'll have a nice uh, group where we could praise together, we could worship together, we could meditate in God's Word together. So Sunday mornings are awesome. They're for the Lord to come and, and worship Him and learn more about it. And we're blessed by it. But it can't end here. It can't end here. Your Christian life and your Christian walk cannot be limited to Sunday morning. If it is, you're losing out. You're losing out. And the church is not doing the job that it's here to do. And that is to continue God's work. You know, in, uh, when, when uh, we see in, in the first verse in Acts, the first couple of verses, Luke who wrote the gospel according to Luke, is now writing a second you know, letter to Theophilus. And he says, hey, Theophilus, you know the first letter I wrote to you about everything that Jesus both began to do and teach? But you know that Luke ends with the crucifixion of Christ? And, and his death, his, I mean, his, his physical earthly ministry is done. Yet Luke says, remember I wrote to you about everything that he began to teach and do? You know what he meant by that? Jesus finished his work. But part of his work continues through us, through the church. Remember when Jesus uh, uh, appeared to Saul, he says, why are you persecuting me? You know who the church is? The church is the body of Christ. And the work that Jesus came to do, the church continues it now. And that's you. And that's me. Alright? So, keep that in mind. Thank God that He is a God of new beginnings and second chances. Uh, There's a couple songs that we sing about that.
Um, and we praise God for that. And uh, keep in mind that new beginning is offered to everyone. It's offered by grace. It's an offer of love. And it's an offer that is made available through the cross of Jesus Christ.